0: Hashtag Utah Jazz.
2: Well, I, I, you know, let, let's use a racing analogy, Gordon. You know, we've got, you know, the monster trucks, the drag racing, NASCAR, and Formula One. And, you know, it, we're, we're trying to figure out what track we're running on. And hopefully we can, you know, we can have, you know, it, it's our job to figure that out. And then, you know, figure out what the car looks like. And I think we got some really good pieces that... Um, have the potential to you know to do some good things and, and and hopefully go fast enough to win a few games.
3: Well which truck is it PK? That seems like a question for this morning show. I say monster truck smashing everything in their way.
4: I don't know anything about that stuff so I can't help you out.
3: Fletch <sighs> Snyder also had a press conference yesterday. Said that was uh, Quinn on the big show talking uh, with Gordon and Jake. Also had a Zoom press conference and talked with the reporters. Said the reaction to Jazz star Donovan Mitchell's social media posts indicate the conversations need to continue about ongoing social social justice reform efforts. There were a lot of positive comments surrounding Donovan's post. That said, there were also some comments that were abominable and things that we should all Never tolerate. To the extent you can rationalize, rationalize some of those negative comments by saying they are positive comments, I think that's a mistake. We have to be diligent because as long as those comments are there, there's work to be done.
4: Well, then there will be work to be done until the end of time because those comments will always be there to some degree or another.
3: So if you do the work, can you minimize the number of those comments? Have people before us done work that has minimized some of those comments?
4: Yeah, and it's always going to continue. I lived the '92 riots in Los Angeles. I mean, I literally lived them. And with that in mind, here we are. How many years is that? Twenty. Twenty-eight years, years later? later. And so, yeah, those, those things are always going to be around. There'll never be a time when we'll eliminate them. I don't. I don't think so, anyway. But we've got to try to manage them the best we can. And we've got to get to the ground level. I mean, Donovan Mitchell can post all he wants. And I would expect Quinn Snyder to support him, it would be news if he didn't. The fact that Quinn Snyder supported him is really not news in my mind. That was predictable. That was sunrises in the east. Of course he's going to do that. There was never any question he was going to do that. But beyond that, and I'll keep saying it, how do we help folks get educational opportunities? How do we help them get jobs? How do we help them with childcare? And these types of things, we can say and post all the stuff we want and people will react. The people who react, whether they react positively or negatively, what is being done to help people at the ground level? That's what matters the most. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA.
0: You are officially retired. Yeah, I'm officially finished playing basketball. (laughs) I think. No, no, it's no I think. Okay, I'm
3: officially done playing basketball professionally. I play at home. That's Vince Carter. It's been a long career, such a long career that he played against the Utes in the 1998 Final Four in the National Semifinals. He had a big game. He's now 43. He's been in the league 22 years. But it's all over. He's on a team that's not going to Orlando, so no more games this year, and he's not going to try and play next year, so. A long and magnificent career. Is Tom Brady now the oldest? I guess the... How many, how many 40-somethings are running around out there in pro sports?
4: Hey, that's something you would care about. I don't know. But uh, Vince Carter, sure. 22 years. Reminds me somewhat of Andre Miller, who just seemed like he just played and played and played.
3: Dallas Mavericks center Willie Colley stein informed the team he'll opt out of the restart of the NBA season, opening up a roster spot. The Mavs expect to sign former Jazz guy, Trey Burke. They've had some injuries along their guard line, so give him a little bit of depth there. Cauley-Stein uh, expecting to be uh, dead, birth of a child in July, so he is going to opt out. NBA is going to use local, state, and federal law enforcement agencies as well as uh, experienced venue and contracted security professionals and team security staffs to secure the bubble environment in Orlando. So They're going all in on that. We'll see if that, uh, that works for them. DJ and PK.
1: Hashtag NFL. They tell everybody that July 28th is a date they're going to come back, but there are other dates that were discussed beforehand, and they were going back and forth, and this is different territory. So the good thing is that there's a lot of minds working on it. The bad thing is again, because there's no answer that's going to satisfy everybody, it's okay, which which of these ideas can work the best and keep everybody the safest.
3: Jay Glazer talking about the NFL right there. We told you yesterday the uh, Hall of Fame game isn't happening, there's also a chance the four-week Preseason will be shortened. They might only have a couple of those games, trying to keep everybody healthy for the September's tenth start of the regular season. BK, we never needed four preseason games, did we? Anyway, wasn't that always a money grab?
4: Yeah, I think that for season ticket holders, it's about uh, accounts for twenty percent of your price that you have to pay. But yeah, four preseason games—that just seems so ridiculous. I mean, come on, uh, you know, I don't think they need as many spring training games in baseball but that's kind of a romantic issue with baseball. Spring, spring has arrived and the earth is renewal and people from Chicago go down to the Phoenix area to watch the Cubs in droves. Well, they're doing it because they're getting out of the bad weather and for having an opportunity to lounge around in the sun, and obviously baseball isn't as taxing, but pre- four preseason games in the NFL when colleges are playing zero, seems absolutely ridiculous.
3: St. Safety Malcolm Malcolm Jenkins, he's for me to say, said the risk surrounding the coronavirus has to really be eliminated before he'd be comfortable returning to play this season. described football as a non-essential business and pointed out the NBA is a lot different than the NFL because they can actually quarantine all of their players, whoever's going to participate. We've got over 2,000 players and even more coaches and more staff. We can't do that. So... See I'm how many players follow with Malcolm Jenkins and would be willing to walk away from a season's worth of earnings. My guess is not very many.
4: Well, it's never going to be really eliminated, as he says. But certainly not this season, anyway. I mean, talking about this season, I don't know what the five years from now holds, uh, but it doesn't seem like it's going to be eliminated by September. DJ and PK. Hashtag
0: college football.
3: According to reports, the Pac-12 is joining other Power Five Conferences and considering moving the conference championship game back a week. While our goal is to play a complete football season on the schedule originally set forth, we have a comprehensive football contingency scheduling plan that allows for maximum flexibility depending on the changes necessitated by COVID-19 for health and safety reasons. That's Larry Scott talking to the Athletic. He said that does include the possibility of moving the game back later in December. That way, if teams have outbreaks and a game has to be postponed, they got a place to reschedule it and move on later. I always thought that made sense. PK, it makes sense that that's one of their contingency plans. Hopefully, they don't have to use it, but it's there if they need it.
4: Oh yeah, I mean they're going to have to be as flexible as possible can be. It may have to be moved back two weeks, three weeks. I mean, you're going to have it if you can, and if it's a week or two delayed, I don't think anybody really cares under the circumstances, but sure, the flexibility is going to be there from day one. Flexibility is already there, really, as they're doing the, what would you call them, informal uh, workout sessions Mm -hmm. that they have right now, and then when they get to the practice sessions here in a few weeks, you're going to be flexible, and then, of course, you're going to be flexible during the season.
3: There's usually a uh, a week after the conference title games where Army-Navy is played and there's nothing else going on on that week, so you could easily slide your game back one week there. If you need to slide it back two weeks, you'd be hitting the first week of the bowl season. But the two teams in the conference title game aren't going to play in an early bowl anyway, and who knows if the bowl game will be moved back. So there's, uh, there's plenty of flexibility in there, whether they play it on the 5th of schedule or bump it back to the 12th or even the 19th. Yeah.
4: I can actually see a season in which the Bulls don't exist.
3: You know, I thought that for a while, but now as TV programming, I wonder if they'll find a way for most of them to go forward. You know, if, assuming nothing has changed, and who knows, that's months away, so lots of stuff could have changed. But, you know, in a in a scenario where travel isn't a great idea, well, a lot of the Bull games are playing in front of small crowds, and they're really about TV programming anyway, so... But you're right. I mean, if there were a year without the uh, fill in the blank uh, bowl in a ginormous NFL stadium with two teams coming from halfway across the country, would that really be the end of the world? If there's no Music City bowl, are we all over it? If they don't play right. the game up in Boise one year, is that the worst thing that ever happened? You know?
4: I think they'll do what they can to get in the playoff situations and maybe one or two others, the granddaddy. Yeah. But if, there's other, if the majority of them don't play, I don't think there's going to be that big of an outcry.
3: ACC Commissioner John Swafford announced he'll retire as the league's commissioner after uh, the upcoming year in the summer of 2021. Uh, he served 24 years there, and, and they went from a 19-league to a 12-team league to 14 to 15 and brought Notre Dame into the fold. So a lot of changes on his watch in the ACC.
4: Yeah, if you're going to be anywhere for that length of time, and no matter what business, you're going to see lots of changes. DJ and PK. Hashtag
0: Major League Baseball.
3: The San Francisco Giants are going to allow season ticket holders to send in an image of themselves to be placed onto a cutout that will be displayed in the stands during home games as they plan to play... All home games without fans in the stands this season. The cutouts will be made of weatherproof material and will be placed as close to the season ticket holder seats as possible, according to the Giants. For a $99 fee, the team is also giving the option for non-season ticket holders to have their cutouts displayed in the stands as well. $99, you get a cutout put in there, and then you hope a foul ball puts your face on TV? Is that where we're going here? I think I'll pass on that, and I... I think there's somebody who will take them up on that. What if a foul ball puts a hole through your face? Oh, yeah, you're right. That's true. It could just destroy your cutout. Well,
4: then there'd be a hole in my head where the rain comes in.
3: Well done. DJ and PK.
0: Webb took a test Tuesday and Wednesday morning negative on both of them but he just felt like to, to protect the tournament and to make sure more than anything Webb's fifth in the world right now is leading the FedEx Cup and the last thing you want I think is kind of one of those names taking even though it's a small chance taking a chance of uh, infecting anybody else so he made the decision to withdraw
3: golf oh, that's Webb Simpson's caddy right there Paul Tesoria and why Webb withdrew from the Travelers a lot of caution right there and trying to uh protect all the other players on the tour. The Travelers goes on with Mackenzie Hughes shooting a 60, and PK had a chance at 59. He said he committed the ultimate sin. He left that putt short.
4: Oh, man. That's something that literally every golfer can relate to. There's no question about that. I was at Old Mill the other day, and they they've reversed the nines a few years ago, and I had a chance uh, uh, which would be now the back nine, used to be the front nine, and it's fairly easy. And I had a chance to shoot even par, and I left the putt no less than uh, two inches short. We can all relate to that opportunity. If I can't relate to an opportunity to shoot a 59, but I can relate to an opportunity leaving a putt short—that's for sure. We've all been there. And as far as Webb re- uh, withdrawing, you know, he did win this last week, and that's, irregardless of the health situation, that's fairly common where guys don't play every single week anyway.
3: Mackenzie Hughes got a three-shot lead over Rory McIlroy. Phil Mickelson had a good round. He's up there near the top of the leaderboard. A lot of guys are at 63 and 64 with uh, Mackenzie having the three-shot lead at 60. Uh, Tony Fee now, two-under in his first round. Zach Blair was one-under. Meanwhile, at the Utah Championship at uh, Oak Ridge Country Club, I thought of our conversation with Kurt Cragthorpe. We were talking about how these guys hit the ball, how good they are. Even though they're not on the the main PGA Tour, they're not on the big show, uh, they're still wildly talented. Hit the ball a ton. And then you put them in elevation and they just overwhelm these courses and they go so low. Uh, The co-leaders are at 8-under. There's a huge group at 7-under and another massive group at 6-under. Mike Weir finished strong. uh, Had an eagle and a birdie in the last 3 or 4 holes, so he got to 68 Daniel Summerhayes a 69, and Preston Summerhayes a 70. But PK, there were a. I watched. Uh, I didn't watch all of the two hours. It probably came in after it already started, but I saw an hour, an hour and a half of it, and it was just a birdie fest. So everybody went low.
4: Yeah, I watched it too, and I, I intend to watch it today. I intend to watch it tomorrow and Sunday.
3: DJ and PK brought to you in part by Shamrock Plumbing. Receive a free reverse osmosis system with the purchase of any water softener at Shamrock Plumbing. 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. All right, coming up this morning, David Locke will stop by 8 o'clock. We will talk with him and Dr. David Petron, University of Utah. He is Utah's head team physician. He's worked at the U a long time. We had him on once a little while ago, a couple weeks ago or so. Uh, and as they bring the athletes back, how does it look up to the U? How does it look for college sports? We'll talk with Dr. David Petron at 9 o'clock. DJ and PK, it's 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Let's
0: go! The Big Show. It's a big deal! with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott.
2: Head coach of the Utah Jazz, he is Quinn Snyder with us here on The Big Show. I think our guys are enthusiastic about who this team can be. It's not a new season, but there's so many unknowns. Everything from the obvious without the fans to the bubble all the precautions to just the strange nature of the preparation. And when you have a team that's got an enthusiastic mindset, I think that can be a real positive. The hallmarks of our team are there. We've got some good players that really like playing with each other. They're competitive, and they're together,
0: and I think they're excited to get out and to compete. The Big Show, weekdays from 2 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.
3: Hot Tix or Toast is brought to you by Master Electrical Services. Master Electrical is always open during this challenging time. Call Master Electrical at 801-543-2222 for upfront pricing and your satisfaction guaranteed. Master Electrical will light up your day. All right. Question of the day comes from Quinn Snyder What do you make of Quinn Snyder's quote? The road from complacency to complicity is a slippery slope Put it up on Facebook DJ and PK It's on Twitter at David DJ James and immediately PK here it comes Yeah Yvonne True statement James Overreaction Overreaction Just like everything else going on in society. Scott, I couldn't agree more. (laughs) Back and forth it goes. Quinn did a great job of dividing the audience.
4: Well, I saw just about everybody tweet that quote. And I got to admit, I'm not a great philosopher. (laughs) And I'm not a deep thinker. And so, honestly, I don't understand the quote. But I'm not very smart. I'm trying to figure out what exactly does it mean. And I know Locke won't have him on an hour. He was all juiced about it. And pretty much anything Quinn says, he gets excited about. But I didn't understand it. I'm not sure what is being said. I found fascination in the idea that everybody thought it was deep. Because I didn't understand it. Now, I recognize that's just me and for others it was very deep i did not exactly know what it meant what was he trying to say there
3: well i think that there's a lot of layers and nuance to what he said i also think it's just the way it sounds in the english language i mean it is smooth yeah, um, that's for sure. Yeah, you know, complacency, complicity—you know, different meanings, but certainly related on this issue. You know, and they sound alike. It's a, it's a forget the substance, just the sound. It's a good sounding phrase. You know, it's uh, it, it's smooth. Now, if you're complacent, I mean, maybe you don't create the problem, but because you don't work to solve the problem is the problem partly your fault? Well, what's the problem? What what are we talking about? Well, in this case, racial injustice. But it could be any problem. It could be whatever you want. Uh, It could literally be anything under the sun. But if you're, you're complacent about not solving a problem, is the problem partly your fault? Even if you didn't cause it, the fact you didn't fix it, or at least fix part of it when you have a chance, you know, is that your fault? And I think the, the beauty of this is it is a little bit of, a, what's that thing, the Rorschach test, where you know, they do the ink blots, and then they flash them at you real quick. It's like, looking at the clouds in the sky. I see a rabbit. Uh, I see a sandwich. I see, you, know, you, you see whatever you want to see. It's kind of revealing about what you're thinking, because there really isn't much there. It's really a cloud in the sky. It's an equal right. out on a piece of paper. So you see a little bit of what you want to see. You know, the fact that at the end he says it's a slippery slope. Complacency isn't always complicity. It certainly can be. And so by saying it's a slippery slope, he leaves enough gray area and enough wiggle room in this, you know, depending on the situation, that I can sign off on what he's saying. I, see, I think I see what he's getting at. I think I largely agree with it. I think the problem with a phrase like that is it can quickly be weaponized. You know, and if you really look at it, it's got more nuance to it than that. I think um, just to take other examples of stuff that's in the news and apply this to it. And I think what he's really doing there is saying you can't just say, um, oh, yeah, some people said some bad stuff at Donovan, but it doesn't really matter. You know, it's social media and it's a cesspool you should expect it. There were some bad things, but there were a lot of good things, too. He didn't want to be complacent about that because he just thought some of the stuff said was horrible. And it needs to stop. And it's going to take a lot of work in society to stop it. And he would probably agree with you that, you know, when our generation dies, because Quinn is basically our age. I mean, we're all a few years apart, but, you know, it's the same generation. uh, This stuff isn't going to be fixed. But that doesn't mean it isn't our responsibility to try and make it better. And I think that if you apply this to other stuff, I mean, there were a lot of people mad at LeBron because he's the biggest star. But in a lot of the NBA individual players as well as clubs, because they didn't make a bigger stand about Hong Kong. When the Rockets GM tweeted out the stuff he tweeted, you know, are they complacent about that? Well, I think for a lot of people, including me, probably you, but I shouldn't speak for you. Let you speak for you. Uh, You know, I think, yeah, there's some complacency there. But do I think it's complicit? No, I think they can symbolically say, hey, this is wrong. But I don't think they can possibly stop it. I, I don't think they could possibly have any impact on that. That's going to go the way it's going to go, and I, I think it's largely a done deal. So, complacency isn't always complicity, complicity, but it can be. I think that when Dwight Howard says, you know, I don't know if I should go play, I think he's worried about, hey, am I being a little complacent? I make a lot of money, and it's a lot of fun, but I would rather really be working on this over here. Well, I think you're not being complacent, Dwight. I think you can go play. I think you can use that stage, and I think you can have a huge impact. So, you know, there's levels to this. If you know people who do debate, man, you can take words and parse them until you stand them on their head. Um, but I think largely there's truth to it. But when there's as much emotion as there is right now, I think you got to be careful about, you know, I don't know, for lack of a better term, weaponizing this and using it against people. Because I think it's it's more subtle than that. Okay. All right, jump in anywhere. What would you think? <laughs> Even if you don't know what Quinn said, you must know what I said. I'm not that deep. Uh, about ten minutes ago, I did. Uh, <laughs> complacency, y-
4: yeah. Uh, see, I would argue, like which I love to do, obviously. Yeah. You know, what, what is complacency? Because uh, in, in, my, in my mind, when it comes to the racial issues, if unless you're donating money, time, and helping people, literally helping people, not just retweeting cool phrases <laughs> or not just putting out black squares on your Instagram and a bunch of phrases, and uh, lecturing people. we got enough white people around here who are lecturing other white people about racism. Meanwhile, they live in entirely white communities. 98% of their friends and their social interactions are with white people, but they're lecturing us on how we should live and how we can help racism and stop racism. Help it meaning, of course, uh, eliminate it, reduce it, and all that stuff. And we're getting lectures all the time. What are we doing to I want to know what you're doing, not what you're retweeting, not what you're tweeting, not what you're saying. I want to know what you're doing. How are we helping? And it's not just a black and white issue because, you know, coming from Arizona and seeing the discrimination against Hispanics and Native Americans is very, very real. Very real. I live with that. I, as far as the Hispanic, I live with it. I live with it almost, not. I'm, I can't say every day, but I live with it a lot because of my situation. And I've seen things that has opened my eyes. What am I doing? Not what am I saying, what am I retweeting, what squares, What the, it was blackout Tuesday a few weeks ago. So I made sure I put out, because I'm woke. I'm a very woke person. What am I doing? How much money am I contributing? How much time am I contributing? That's what I want to know. Rather than, well, I'm not complacent because man, I hate it. I just I don't want it. And sure, I support all these causes, and I support Black Lives Matters and blah. So I'm woke. Well, if you're not doing anything about it, can I argue that you're complacent?
3: Well, certainly you can argue, you know, how successfully, uh, you know, it'll depend on who you're arguing with, I guess, big guy. Um, I think that what well, you're saying the is part. the, I, I know. well, not for everybody, but for you, I get that. Well, Rick can wait. Rick's going to get a chance to argue in a minute. We got 12 <laughs> minutes left in the segment and Rick's going to get on the air. We put Rick on the air more than any other station or more than any other show on the station. It's true so Rick's going to get there. But first, I got something to say. And now I've forgotten what it is because Rick distracted me. (laughs) Rick, you're killing me. And don't put him on the air. He doesn't get to say anything yet. Not yet, Rick. Not yet. Okay. Um, You know, the actions speak louder than words is what you're addressing. There's nothing wrong with the blackout Tuesday and tweeting something to raise awareness. But once the awareness is raised, that's good. But now the next thing is to do something that makes it better. You know, and I, I think one of the ways this can be weaponized is... Is everybody, you know, complacent to some degree? Do you always have one more dollar you can give, one more minute you can give, one more conversation you can live to, but at some point you go on and do something else? You know, so again, if we want to sit around and judge how much everybody else is giving, I mean, I, I think most of us would encourage people, you know, there's a lot of stuff going wrong in the world, right, just within racism. You brought up multiple examples. Now, growing up in San Diego, I didn't, Deal individually, you know, on a personal basis, much with discrimination against Native Americans. Um, maybe if I'd lived in a different part of San Diego, I would, but where I lived, I didn't. But there were certainly a lot of Hispanics and there were certainly a lot of divisive issues and conversations. I can remember them. So I, I totally get your point. Um, but I got a family uh, member who, uh, an uncle, who married a woman who is second generation. Japanese American, so the kids are third generation, and the kids grew up in Hawaii, you know, pretty multicultural, and they had one level of awareness, but then my uh, cousin, she goes to school in Oregon, and here's stuff in a lecture, and here's slurs in a lecture, she ended up transferring from the school, it completely wrecked the freshman year of college, you know, so there are a lot of issues out there, and maybe you see them, and maybe you don't. You know, but there's issues beyond racism. I mean, try to tackle one or two things that are going wrong in the world and try to make them better. There's hunger. There's homelessness. Mental health issues are a huge problem. You know, there's some researcher driving up to the Huntsman Cancer Center right now. They're all in on that. And cancer's torn families apart. You know, so you can't fix everything. You try to put your arms around something. Now, a guy we used to uh, work for, PK, had a saying like he liked to get included in a group that was working on something. And he liked to work with them for three years and make an impact. But then he liked to move on to the next thing. I mean, everybody does it different. Somebody else picks something and then it's their cause for a lifetime. So everybody does it different. So let's not weaponize a phrase like Quinn threw out there and use it to beat somebody up. And you're not doing enough. You know, are you doing something? Have you picked something? You know, there's some people who are really politically active who are up at the state capitol trying to change laws because they think they're going to improve somebody's life. That's not my thing. I've never gone up to the state capitol during a session. And there's some people who know me who are surprised by that. It's not my thing. I'll do something over here. That's just not something that appeals to me. But for the people that appeals to, they're all in and they can't believe that I'm not doing it. So careful about beating somebody up over something you know which is easy to do but i think when quinn said it you know he didn't say complacency is complicity you know he said complacency you know it's a slippery slope from one to the other well you don't always fall down when you go down a slippery slope sometimes you do sometimes you don't you know so he left a little wiggle room in there i can sign off on it but i can see how you can get into debate and You know, it could get out of control, which is what happens when we bring Rick on the air. So let's bring him on the air and see if we can get a debate that gets out of control. Rick, 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 really? You had like five (laughs) minutes and you you were coming on. You could clear your throat. You didn't have to cough coronavirus through the radio all over all of us. Come on, Rick.
1: uh, Uh, Yeah, we're all guilty of complacency up till now, I think. I mean, I'm changing. I think there's four classifications. There's the flat-out racist. There's the racist who won't admit it to anybody, but will sure go out and vote for Donald Trump. If you vote for Donald Trump, you are a racist.
3: And, and there it is. there's
1: a complacency person who's not a racist, who's really doing nothing. And that's what this movement's about. we got to do something. we got to get people out to vote. I mean, th- this present we have is a danger. Now, I'm a convert Mormon, and I brag about this state. You know, I'm originally from back east to everybody. It's the greatest state in the country. It's the most well-run government. And it's conservative. But that's because they live to a higher moral code. On the national level, it's corrupt. It's a terrible example, this person. And it's probably going to change this democracy forever. And I'm going to do something about it that way. I mean, blacks have been mistreated. This is a joke. We're taking down the Confederate flag. That's supposed to be a big deal? That should have been done 100 years ago. I mean, I couldn't imagine being a black person loving my city, and there's monuments everywhere of how proud they are of the you know Confederacy. That's, that's disgusting. And I was guilty of being complacent because not aware of all that stuff. And this state is not a racist state. It just happens to be all white. You know, like a white person doesn't necessarily choose to live in Atlanta first, not because they're racist, but because there's not a ton of their, you know, what they love of the outdoors or whatever. I love the outdoors here. So, you know, I've learned that about back east. Back east, everybody's racist. Here you can go 10 years without hearing the N-word. It's a great place, but people are complacent. And this state needs to get out and vote because that Republican Party is disgustingly corrupt complicit and a very dangerous president.
3: Well, Rick, All right. you didn't disappoint. I thought... Well, get you out know, and vote as I, long as it's for your candidate. Absolutely. Right. If you're going to vote <laughs> no, against my whatever. guy, just sit at home. It's okay. Thanks, oh, Rick. Yeah, no. All right, that was... I, I, Yach and I had a little thing going about how many uh, inflammatory things Rick was going to say there in three or four minutes and I lost track at about five or six. I'm sure it was a bigger number, but... Well somebody would say zero though. I don't know that anybody would say zero. Even people who would agree with him would say he said some inflammatory stuff. Even if you agree with everything he said, I think you'd say there's some inflammatory okay. stuff. Okay, but and
4: there's people who think looting was just fine, even though it's against the law.
3: Yeah. How do you follow Rick up? I don't know. It's not You're doing easy. a good job. How about it? <laughs> Keep it going, DJ. Yeah, I'm,
4: I'm right behind you. <laughs> you got the soapbox going on. Continue. I mean, we all do. Every one of us does. I'm no different than anybody else.
3: Uh, we got more uh, coming in here. We got people tweeting at us, and we'll wait for the uh, wait for Twitter to blow up as it usually does after Rick's calls. It's only a matter of time. Uh, we got other people weighing in here on. Uh, Quinn, Greg says, uh, Quinn is spot on. When systemic injustice is ignored, usually because it doesn't really affect your day-to-day life, it's really easy to look the other way. Oh, of course. Uh, Dapper <laughs> Dapper Cardinal at Go Bear or Go Home. Uh, Quinn's 100% correct, and if someone doesn't like what he said, he's likely talking about them.
4: Yeah, but not me. He's talking
3: about them, them but not me. not me. <laughs> <laughs> cool Hand Ute. <laughs> Quinn, too many conversations with Papa Bleep? I didn't say Cool Hand Ute is not signing off on that. B. Hodges at Life on a Plate. Quinn is rightfully calling us out. Sure. Yeah. Calls out. Ellis says, I make that he's saying that if you're content with your current level rather than striving to be better, then you partially shoulder the blame that your team, your family, your country, your world isn't better.
4: And I agree with all that. But if I just say to myself, I'm going to vow to do better or be better. But what am I doing to help at the ground level? What can be done to help at the ground level? You know when the when the L.A. riots happened? It was on a Wednesday. It was on a Wednesday about four o'clock, April twenty nineteen ninety two. Because I was living there, it will forever resonate in my mind. I mean, I know exactly where I was, when I was, and what I was doing, and all that. You know, and and I was telling that I recall I was covering a baseball game, and I literally took one of those walkmans so I could hear the verdict and know where to drive, know where not to drive, basically. No idea that I would blow up to the level, but I literally took a Walkman to a game to make sure that I didn't go where I shouldn't be as a white guy, because I, I knew, and I knew, I'd i lived in the area for 10 years, so I knew all the areas, and, you know, it's pretty much a very segregated community. This race lives here, that race lives there, and that's the way it is, Right. So it was stuck in my mind, and it was on a Wednesday, and on a Saturday, had an opportunity to go down to the first uh, uh, African and Methodist Church that was down there in South Central, and do some cleanup. And it's just a small, small thing, very small. I mean, I, I hardly do anything to help anybody anyway, uh, but at least I felt like I was doing something, not just standing there and saying, yeah. I stand for anti-racism. I felt like I was contributing to a small degree. And for some folks, that's all they can do is put out a black square and say, I'm going to do my best if I encounter this situation. And that's the best that they can do. And that's great. But for others, there's so much more to be done, particularly those who are affluent and have all sorts of financial resources and have all sorts of time because they don't work, and they don't have to work. You know, what are they doing? I would like to see stuff done for communities. That, that's my big thing, and I could be wrong on that. I profess to have zero answers. So, so, so anybody who wants to lecture me, go ahead. You have every right to lecture me about it, because I'm not sure I have any answers on any of this stuff.
3: DJ and PK brought to you in part by Zions Bank. Back to Business is presented by Zions Bank, helping Utah small businesses out. The Zone Sports Network is here to support local businesses that have been impacted by COVID-19. Back to Business gives business owners the opportunity to promote their business during these unprecedented times. Uh, at the Gateway, they got restaurants that are uh, doing curbside pickup. they got a local grocer. The store is in the Gateway now. Uh, we know the, guys, uh, at, the guy at Wise Guys Comedy. Uh, they're doing live streams now. You know, you go down to the show, that's maybe not such a good idea right now. But you can still see Wise Guys on live at the comedy live stream. Uh, Mystery Escape Room is online. They got giveaways on social media. And they have a drive through art stroll if you're down at the Gateway 200 South, 400 West in Salt Lake City. If you want to have your small business mentioned on the air, visit 1280thezone.com. Click the Promos tab, select Back to Business, and simply fill out the form. We'll take it from there. Back to Business is presented by Zions Bank.
0: This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network.
3: The head coach of BYU's men's
0: basketball team, Mark Pope. You've cast a large net, and is that a philosophy of yours going forward that, hey, look, you know what? We're not going to leave any stone unturned if a guy's hitting the portal. We want to talk to him.
2: You know, we talk about transfers, and it's their last chance, right? And so you have to get it right, and certainly for us, you know, every recruiting decision is it has to be right, and so sometimes we don't find out, so almost decision day, if it's a good fit or not. It's hard to find the right fit, and there's no shortcuts to do it. We're really excited with the progress we made on our roster. We think we've identified some guys and managed to build relationships with the right guys that can help us continue to grow the program.
0: Hanson Scouting weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and the Zone Sports Network. Too much time a little extra time on your hands it's time to talk about what we're doing to kill time what did you watch last night with dj and pk on 97.5 1280 the zone in the zone sports network
4: too much time on my hands too much time on my hands
3: JPK brought to you by Action Plumbing, Heating, and Electrical. Spring into action now. Mention this ad and receive $33 off any service. Call Action today at 801-833-3333. That's 801-833-3333. Well, PK, we were both, as we talked about earlier in the show, we were both watching uh, golf yesterday with the Golf Channel televising the Utah Championship. And, uh, you know, Kirk Crackthorpe had been on earlier in the week talking about how we just... We can't really have a PGA Tour event here because those guys will just overwhelm any course we have. Even Thanksgiving Point, which Johnny Miller, who had an awesome career on the tour and an awesome career as a broadcaster, and he built that and thought he was building something. And even that can't corral these guys. And watching yesterday, and uh, I think Davis Riley is the guy. I don't know the guys on this tour. I mean, the local guys who are playing. But I think Davis Riley was the guy. who's playing a par 5, 547-yard hole. Did he hit a 9-iron on his second shot? Freaking 9-iron to the back of a green. Who goes driver 9-iron, 547 yards? That is outrageous. Outrageous. (laughs) On a par 5, I've done that once. A driver driver 9-iron? Was it downhill with gale force winds at your back or what? You're not a long
4: hitter, you've told us. Oh, no, not at all, no. And after I had the shoulder injury, I've been reduced, and I've gotten older and all that stuff, and it factors in. Uh, yeah. The the uh the course, what they call it, it's uh it's a hilly course. We played it. We had some advertisers up there. It's uh, over by the area that's called Park West. And I I don't I can't remember thinking of it. So it's been open a few years now, but it has dramatic elevation changes and drops and is it uh, the Canyons all, course? Is that what it's called? Yeah, you're going on the road to Park City, and you only go a little ways, and you turn right. I it's you a ski area. Yeah, Yeah. ski area right there. I think it's the canyons, right. Yeah, and one of the holes, uh, so I went up there. a lot of
3: up and downs, uh, you're right. And
4: yeah, I was playing with a client and a client's wife, and my wife joined us. She had to work, so she joined us a little later. Uh, The guy I was playing with uh, could hit the ball a mile. I couldn't, and I never can't, never could even before the shoulder. Uh, But it was just basically straight downhill. And so it was the only time in my life I went driver 9-iron into a uh, par 5. But, yes, he did do that, and I was we were both watching the same thing. And they were commenting on that, the, the announcers. I don't know who the announcers were. I can't remember. Uh, but they were commenting on how the driver 9-iron on a par 5. And I don't want to say it makes a mockery of the game, but... You know, it's not as skilled. We often hear in basketball that women's basketball is more about the fundamentals. You know, because they can't throw the alley oop dunk and they can't just drive down the lane and just throw down this monster dunk and all this stuff. They're just you know, obviously the genetically difference different between the man and the woman. So they say that the game is more fundamental. And so you'll have it, you know, John Wooden smiles if he watches that game, you know, because he was the one where he loved to see a rebound actually hit the floor and then you grab it because it meant you sealed and boxed out your man and all five of you boxed out your individual man to the perfection and they couldn't get the rebound so you were able to get it. And, you know, that's just an extreme example. And and I wonder with the golf today – You know, do they have the complete package of the game? Because if you're just hitting driver nine iron, well, then just work on driver nine iron. (laughs) You know, you you have to hit the five iron uh, uh, in, in the fairway very much if you're just bombing it like that all the time. But, you know, it's equal. Everybody has the same advantages, disadvantages. It's just how good you are. But... Sometimes it does get a little overwhelming just to see these guys just continue to mash it. I mean, where are we going to be in 10 years? Are people going to be driving at 400 yards?
3: This is why Jack Nicholas was talking about the technology and the golf ball, because the, uh, yeah. the the other option is to redesign, I don't know how many golf courses there are in America, 10,000, 15,000 golf courses, because that, that the weekend hacker is going to be hitting at 300 yards and the pro is going to be driving at 430. I mean, what? you know when tiger started averaging like 300 and 305 it was blowing people's minds and now we we were trying to do the math on that you you know the producer who was working yesterday Tim Peterson and he is a huge golf fan i mean just I, I don't know that anybody is more. There's better golfers, but there's nobody more passionate about golf. You might be as passionate, but you can't be more passionate than Tim. And he was into it too, and, and we were trying to figure out the yardage. And I'm like, does it kind of look like he's 150? Because they didn't say, you know, they're they're you know cutting back and forth between golfers, right? And he's it, 150. He says it might be 160 or 170, but it's not more than that. So we're doing the math. I mean, that that tee shot 547. If it's 150, he basically drove it 400 yards. If it's 170, then he drove it 380. Yeah. Because it's a little bit... Actually, the parallels are good with baseball. You know, it used to be small ball, move the runner over and try to steal a base. And if you stole 50 bases, that was huge. And, you know... And then as they started doing the analytics and saying, hey, we're making a lot of outs on the base paths. Let's get guys up. Let's try to get our home run hitter one more at bat to hit a three-run homer. That's the way to win a game. Well, golf, it used to be a good course. You have to use every club in the bag to get around it. And, you know, and to your point now, you don't have to hit a five-iron out of the fairways. Hit a driver and a nine-iron. Hit a driver and an eight. Hit a driver and a wedge, and you're good to go. I mean, that was the thing they were arguing in the broadcast was he could have hit a wedge because he hit the 9 to the back of the green. A wedge might have been the better club.
4: Yeah, the, the positive on that is if they're all bombing it, then it sort of eliminates the bomber to an extent. And then it becomes, what do you do Once you get the from green. 150 in? You know, where can you place the ball to give you the best chance? Par 5 obviously would be eagle, but most of the holes would be birdie. And so, in a sense it still comes down to, you talk about the small ball. Mm -hmm. The short game is what they call it in golf, obviously. And so what do you do there? And no matter how far you hit it, what do you do from then on is going to determine your score. Now, the closer you get to the green, obviously the better chance you have for spin on the ball and what those guys can do. I understand all that. But you still got to make putts. And you got to come up clutch and the amount of pressure, uh, even on these guys. I mean, these guys are just big-time golfers. I can argue that this tour, what they call it, the Corn Ferry now? Yeah. Is that what it's called? Yeah. That this tour, actually, for a so-called minor league, it's the best minor league of anything that we have. So it's better than AAA. It's better than the G League. It's better than college football. You see what I'm saying there? Yeah. That, that, that they play at such an incredibly high level, especially relative to all the folks who play golf. Now, in the other sports, you know, there are some adult baseball leagues and maybe there's some adult football leagues. But most of us aren't playing those games where we go out and we hack it around on the golf course. And if you compare that to us, I mean, it's not even close and it's still fun and enjoyable to watch.
3: DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. David Locke, Radio Voice of the Utah Jazz, is coming up next.